Hi, this is Josh Raymond, and I'm very glad to be able to welcome you to this special hour of The Inner Life. This hour is one of our favorite episodes from this past year. I really hope you enjoy it and that it helps you in your spiritual journey. As always, you can find this episode and all of our past podcasts at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening, and from all of us here at The Inner Life and at Relevant Radio, we want to wish you a very blessed and Merry Christmas. Hello and welcome indeed to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And what's your spring looking like? Does it feel like spring yet where you are? If you're in one of the southern states, it probably does. If you're somewhere up in the northern states, maybe not so much. But as the days are getting longer, are you finding yourself starting to look toward those kinds of spring and summer routines that you have for yourself every year? We've actually only been in the season of spring for 10 days right now. 10 days, that's it. But are you itching to be outside more, maybe enjoy the nicer weather, the warmer temperatures? During the summer months, uh, our family, we drink a lot of iced tea. We rarely make iced tea from maybe starting at about October through the end of winter, but we almost always have that pitcher of iced tea in the fridge starting in the late spring, continuing through those summer months. And this past weekend, it's not late spring, but it, it is officially spring, we made our first pitcher of iced tea for the year. Not that monumental of a thing, but once it was made, our kids, they went through it very quickly. And even last night, my six-year-old daughter, Avonlea, she came up to me after dinner and she said, hey, could I have a glass of iced tea? And my response was just very quick. No, it's getting a little too late for tea. And she accepted that answer. And you also probably understand my response because, you know, there, there's no real time of day where a, a six-year-old girl is literally unable to consume tea. No, I'm sure you understood that I was implying after dinner, in the evening as it's getting closer to bedtime for a child, well, and for an adult for that matter, but uh, tea is not the best choice of a beverage since it has caffeine in it, which could interfere with sleeping. And we've ex explained that reasoning to Avonlea in the past, so she understood what was implied, what I didn't say, but what I was communicating in that statement. Well, we've spent the last couple of days here on The Inner Life looking at the Ten Commandments, trying to have this very solid understanding of what they mean for us as Christians in the 21st century. But the commandments are very short, right? Like, do not take the Lord's name in vain, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not covet. Very brief, very succinct. And if you don't stop and give a little consideration to everything that is not said explicitly in the commandments, you might miss out on what's being implied. Kind of like my statement of saying, no, it's too late for tea. There were things implied. So what is being implied in each of the Ten Commandments? What's being communicated, even though it's not explicitly spelled out for us? Well, today is that third and final day of our series that we've been doing on the Ten Commandments. And today we want to look at some of those implications that we can gather from the Ten Commandments. And we want to talk about some of those areas that can maybe be a little tricky in trying to understand actions or behaviors and whether they are in step with God's commandments or if they're problematic, if they're sinful. And we're going to open up the phones right away here at the beginning of the show. We took limited phone calls the last couple of days 
with Father Matthew Spencer joining us, and mainly because we were talking a lot about the details of the Ten Commandments themselves. Uh, today, if there's an area of confusion for you regarding one of the Ten Commandments, if you have a question, um, something that maybe has helped you understand one of the Ten Commandments better, you're welcome to call in, and the phone number is 888 914-9149. I also want to encourage you to go back and listen to the last two days of The Inner Life. As always, you can find the podcasts on our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. But if you didn't catch one or maybe both of the last two days, I think you'll really find those two shows very beneficial with some practical and I think pretty easy to understand explanations and reflections about the Ten Commandments. But I'm very glad to welcome back here for day three of our series on the Ten Commandments, Father Matthew Spencer here with us once again as our spiritual director. And uh, he's a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. Father Matthew, welcome back. This is your hat trick day here with us. <laughs> Hi, Josh. I it's hard for me to believe it's been three days. This has flown by. It really has. It really has. Um, but so thankful for you to take this time out of your busy schedule here um, to be with us three days in a row. So this idea of what is not explicitly said when we read through the Ten Commandments, you know, we've touched on some of that over the past couple of days, but with any of the commandments, there'd be much more we could go into, you know, even though we've given this more time than maybe a regular inner life show where we just talk about one topic or one issue for that one hour of one day, even three hours, there's so much more ground we could cover. But as we look at our conversation today, maybe the first thing that we could talk about is that the Ten Commandments, they're a good starting point for much of the Christian life. And you and I discussed this off the air. You know, they're a good starting point. They're basic rules that can get us heading in the right direction. And they're good, you know, to use uh, for an examination of conscience. But they are simply a starting point for us. They can't be the end-all, be-all of what we look at. And that's why St. Paul, he ends up writing to the Galatians and says things like there's the futility of trying to live under the law when Jesus has opened a better way for us. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's the Ten Commandments are very helpful for us to know some objective criteria for how we're called to live our life. You know, we're not supposed to commit adultery. We're supposed to love God above every other thing in our life. We're supposed to honor our father and our mother. Uh, but as you point out, this is a starting point. This is, this is not the, the, the completion of our lives of holiness and of, of saintliness. No, this is the, the, the basic, the, the, the mere uh, beginnings of holiness for us. These are the objective criteria that, that show us how we're called to live our lives. And then Jesus, of course, will, will bring them to their fulfillment in his own teaching. Uh, and I think what, what's important, or, or to me, what's, what's a good reminder when we're talking about the Ten Commandments, is to realize what well, Jesus distilled the Ten Commandments down to two commandments. I love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in saying that, he wasn't trying to, to say there's nothing else uh, objectively that we have to do. No, those two laws include not only the Ten Commandments, but the whole of God's teaching for us. And I hope that we right. can keep that in mind in all of our conversations about the Ten Commandments, that, 
that they're, they're, they're the starting point of creating this life of holiness, of creating a deeper relationship and commitment to the Lord. But hopefully they'll be the springboard to help us discover what other commands God wants us to live and to, to love to do that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think this is also a great example of why it's so important that we have the teaching authority of the Catholic Church, that we have the magisterium, so that it guides us on things like this. Because if you try and take things out of Scripture on your own without a full, a comprehensive view of what is said in other parts of the Bible, if you can't look at sacred Scripture and sacred tradition under that magisterium of the Church, you end up with all kinds of problems and you know, myself coming as a convert into the faith, I saw this happen so much in the early part of my life. It's so important to have this authority that was established by Jesus himself, because otherwise it can be difficult to try and reconcile when we hear Jesus say things, you know, like you're talking about, the the greatest commandment, the second greatest commandment. But he also says things like, uh, heaven and earth, until heaven and earth pass away, not a letter or even the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law. But then we've got St. Paul who writes things like Christ ransomed us from the curse of the law, or if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So there's, it's really important not just to simply say, okay, the, the Ten Commandments are a good starting point, but I also need to look at who has the authority to help me understand what I do beyond this starting point. Yeah, I'm th- I'm thinking of a very popular video. It's probably one of his most popular videos of uh, Father Mike Schmitz, you know, the famous uh, famous Catholic speaker, um, yep. who's just very very insightful and very very um, easy to listen to. And he has a video where somebody asked him, uh, "What's the difference between Catholics and Protestants?" And his answer, I think, was very succinct and very insightful. He said, "Well, I think it's authority. <laughs> we as Catholics, we say, well, we we have an authority." that's not just scripture, that's not um, just our, our own local pastor, but we have an authority in Christ himself, and Christ founded a church, that church continues through the succession of the apostles, uh, that church, of course, safeguards sacred scripture, and uh, and I think you're right. I mean, if we're going to take the Ten Commandments and, and, and put them into practice, we have to believe that they come from the proper authority. And we as Catholics, we we know that that's the case. Why? Because Jesus founded a church which then safeguarded these commandments. So yeah, really, really good point, Josh. I think for for all of us, it's almost a it's almost a prerequisite to living out the commandments is to have a, a good understanding of proper authority in our lives and then to to respect that authority and to live uh, under that authority. Again, talking with Father Matthew Spencer today about the Ten Commandments, day three of our series on the Ten Commandments, and also welcoming your phone calls. Maybe there's an area uh, dealing with one of the Ten Commandments where there's a bit of confusion for you, or maybe there's an area where you struggle with one of the commandments. Uh, Maybe there's some uh, aspect where it seems like something that you might be engaged in or something that's happened in your past It might go against one of the commandments, but it's hard for you to discern that completely, and you'd like to speak with Father Matthew. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149, Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. So, Father, the implied areas that I I mentioned here, uh, going beyond what we merely read in the Ten Commandments, 
And we, we've touched on this a bit, like I said, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. There's m- much more that we could say about purity of mind and body uh, that we can understand from this commandment. Or in you shall not covet, you talked about yesterday, this directs us to being content with where we are, with what God has given us here and now, not not wanting more, not looking to what we might be able to have, being content here and now. Out of all of the different commandments, are there any of these um, kind of implied areas that you think maybe we should take a moment here and address in a little more detail um, as we kind of talk about the practical application of living out the Ten Commandments here today? Well, we made reference uh, over the last two days, Josh, to to using the Ten Commandments as an examination of conscience. And I think the reason that we can do that, and the reason that that's a a very venerable tradition inside of our church and in our Catholic faith, is precisely because of this point. Because all of us have, uh, you know, different sins that we're struggling with, different areas of weakness that we we have to bring to God's mercy. And so no confession is exactly the same, and every person's sinfulness is going to be is going to be rather personal. And that's why it's uh, it's important to remember that we have the Ten Commandments. They're objective. They're rather brief, uh, and they're 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 very helpful. But we have to apply them also to our personal circumstances in our personal lives. And we have to we have to expand our understanding of the meaning and not not limit them too much to to just the 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 words that we read, but also the spirit that is behind the Ten Commandments. So if the proper spirit with which we're reading the the Ten Commandments is freedom, as we've discussed, is holiness, which is what God desires for us, is right relationship with God, then we are going to we are going to delve deeply into what it means to not take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, what does that what does that mean? Does it simply mean not uttering a few words in a few certain contexts? Uh, no, it means it means something much deeper. It means having a reverence that that um, maintains our relationship and the right priority that we should have with God. Uh, what does it mean when I say, "Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's goods"? Uh, well, it means that uh, you know I'm going to not place my happiness and my my uh, my trust in material things, and I'm not going to seek after things that God does not desire for me. So yeah, I think uh, I, I'm really excited to to talk to some of our listeners today uh, and to hear how their own particular lives um, are illuminated by the commandments, are challenged by the commandments. And I think what we're going to hear is uh, people's own personal experience varies varies quite a bit, but on the other hand, our, the commandments are applicable to each one of us. You know, as you're talking about looking for that right relationship with God, growing in holiness, the freedom that we can experience, um, you know, having that relationship with God and looking at the Ten Ten Commandments as that guide for us. Another area we looked at was the Sermon on the Mount. We referenced that a couple of times yesterday where Jesus takes some of the commandments. He gives that extra clarification. He talks about some of the implied aspects of the Ten Commandments or, uh, you know, there's... The uh, um, I, I guess I guess what I'm thinking is it all really seems to come back to that heart attitude. We talked about you know you shall not kill, 
that's what Jesus says. You've heard it said, you know, you shall not kill. But then he talks about uh, if you are angry with your brother, if you call him a fool, you know, different things like that, that those come up to that level. And so most of what I'm hearing from you, and you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it really does come back to a heart attitude that we can't just keep ourselves from doing these things if our lives, if our hearts haven't been transformed by the love of God. And I I guess that's the second part maybe here is it can't just be us trying to do it by ourselves. There has to be that reliance because we're not going to be able to do everything by ourselves. And that goes back again to St. Paul saying, if you're going to try and be justified by the law rather than justified by faith in Christ, you're going to have to keep the entire law. You're going to have to fulfill every last aspect of the law. So that hard attitude and that trust and reliance on Christ seem to be paramount in everything. You're, it, that seems to be that underlying thread to me. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. Uh, you know, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, uh, the first thing that we we read is, or that we hear, is Jesus proclaiming the Beatitudes. And the Christian in the Christian tradition, we've always seen the Beatitudes as a completion of the Ten Commandments, as as a, a deepening of our our commitment to the Lord. But when we read the Beatitudes, <laughs> they're quite different from the Ten Commandments. I mean, they're not just don't do this and don't do that and honor thy father and mother. They're they're talking about really broad, um, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. They're talking, as you say, about about a whole attitude, not just our our actions. And I think that's what's important to remember that this is also what what uh, God desired to capture in the Ten Commandments was also a whole spirit and a whole attitude, which we see so clearly in the Beatitudes. Uh, I think that's one of the blessings we have, Josh, of being Christian, that we we, we get to see uh, God, the completion of God's communication to men and women in Jesus Christ and, and the continuation of that message through the church. And what it comes down to is a whole change of 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 direction in our life a whole change of orientation towards god and to how we relate to the world uh and this is all this is a tall order i mean we're, we're not talking uh-huh, about just uh-huh. oh i'm just gonna not steal we're talking about a whole attitude of i want there to be justice i want my neighbor to have what is due to them i want to not be attached to material goods and that's a much much taller order to to put into practice in our lives Father Matthew Spencer here with us for our third day looking at the Ten Commandments. Our phone number that you can call in and speak with Father Matthew, 888-914-9149. How have you been able to live out that higher call um, going beyond just the letter of what we read in the Ten Commandments, but what that spirit of the Ten Commandments means for each of us. Maybe you have a question about one of the Ten Commandments or an area where it seems like it's a little gray and you're not sure. Does this really, does this go against God's teaching or is this something where there is uh, the ability for me to do this behavior or this action? And no, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of gray areas, a lot of times that we run into and that's okay. You can call in with those questions, 888-914-9149. And again, the email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll continue talking about the Ten Commandments and how we live them out. That's our third uh, day here 
is how do we apply the Ten Commandments in a real way? And we'll continue that conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Matthew Spencer, and he's a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. Taking your calls as we talk about the Ten Commandments, the number to the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email innerlife at relevantradio.com as we talk about some of those areas that might not be so clear-cut as uh, we try and understand living out the Ten Commandments in our life. And uh, Father Matthew, have you ever read the novel The Stand by Stephen King? Uh, I have. It's been a long time. It's it's a huge volume. If it's I a big book. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. And I, there's two versions out there, I understand. I didn't realize until I'd read the version I have. Uh, there was a, a highly edited version, and then there's uh, one that has material that was edited out but was added back in. And so I have mm-hmm. that second version that has even more. But in that story, so, you know, the basic premise, most of humanity is wiped out by this horrible disease, but the people who remain, they come together in one of two groups, and there's the bad people who are quite literally following the devil in human form, and then there's the good people, and they all gather together, and they're kind of led by this character, Mother Abigail, and she's this Christian woman, she's 108 years old, and I don't know what Stephen King's religious background might be, but there's one point where in the novel you read Mother Abigail as she's kind of sharing her thoughts and here's what she says she's she's struggling with prideful feelings at this point and it says she felt her sin the one she thought of as the mother of sin the father of sin was theft every one of the Ten Commandments boiled down to thou shalt not steal murder was the theft of a life adultery the theft of a wife covetousness the secret slinking theft that took place in the cave of the heart. Blasphemy was the theft of God's name. And she had never been much of a thief, a minor pilferer from time to time at worst. The mother of sin was pride. So she she kind of gives this. And I, I thought, you know, when I read this, and this is years ago for me as well, but that part really stuck with me. And I don't know if Stephen King came up with that on his own, but I thought it was quite insightful, you know, seeing all those different commandments as it's taking something away from someone else, something that doesn't belong to us. But then also Mother Abigail, she calls pride the mother of sin, and the church looks at pride as being maybe the root of all sin because it's where we elevate ourselves above others, above God. You know, that's the original sin that Satan committed that caused him to be cast out of heaven. So maybe can we talk for a moment here? Pride isn't outright addressed in the Ten Commandments, but it's such a danger for us and leads to these different areas of sin. How can we recognize those areas of pride in our life, especially if they're kind of hidden to us at first? Uh, yeah, that that's the trouble is we get so comfortable with pride. We get so comfortable with seeing the world through our own selfishness, through our own 
uh, our own lens that we've created and distorted. And I think what's beautiful, uh, not only about the Ten Commandments, but about all of Scripture and all of the revelation of Jesus Christ, is it's not primarily about me. <laughs> it's not about Matthew. It's about Jesus, and it's about God's love. And certainly that love is directed to me and to my brothers and sisters. But uh, our, our Christian faith breaks that, that perspective of, of just, oh, the world's about me and everything's about me and all of my pursuits are about me. Uh, no, there's, there's a whole different uh, perspective that I have to see things through, and that's through the lens of, of God's plan for me, of God's desire for me, of God's desire for the world. So I think the, the challenge for, for us as human beings is we, the only perspective we have is the one that we can, we can utilize ourselves, you know. But we can, through the gospel, through what's given to us through Jesus and through careful, um, careful meditation on God's law for us, we can come out of ourselves and start to see things in a new way. So we can see our, our own idolatry of worldly things in a, in a new and clearer way. We can see our own... Um, theft and the way that we steal um, in a new way. We can see our own covetousness in a new way. Uh, And and that hopefully will bring us to humility, right? The the antidote to pride, to see things not from just how I want to see them, but to see them from from as how they are, as how God uh, created them to be. And in our case, beautiful. Certainly we're beloved, but also not God. I'm not the creator. I'm mm-hmm. a creature. And I always have to keep that in mind in living the Christian life. Again, talking with Father Matthew Spencer about the Ten Commandments on this third and final day of our series, looking at the Ten Commandments today. How do we live those out? Not just simply understanding. We've spent the last couple of days trying to understand them. How do we then approach the Ten Commandments with an understanding that allows us to grow in holiness, to love, and serve God better. And our studio line is open for your call at 888-914-9149. Whether maybe you've had something that's helped you have a better understanding of the Ten Commandments, how you've been able to live that out in your life, or maybe you just have simply a question about one of the commandments, an area that is unclear to you. 888-914-9149. Father Gene's listening in Buxton, Maine. Hi, Gene. Thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Hi, Josh. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for Father Matthew Spencer. I always enjoy hearing him. I think this is so, so helpful to hear more references to the Ten Commandments, but just because it is such a a guide that was given certainly to me in growing up, um, but no... Not many references in the last few decades, it feels like. And it was um, Melvin Radio that helped me understand sin better and understand the need for confession. And I really never had a good understanding until maybe, you know, when I first started listening, starting to get in touch with it when I heard um, someone who was who spoke uh, to the individual commandments in a much broader range, as you said. Hmm. And so my question is, how do you differentiate your thoughts within you 
uh, when the action isn't taken, but they do damage. I know the thoughts do damage if you if you harbor them, if you keep them, um, even if you don't act on them, it it breaks other things more important. You know the way you see and your relationship with the people. Um, and so the question is, when does the thought? I don't know if this can be answered, but when does the thought uh, being a venial sin that just enters in and you get rid of, you try, um, and now I know going to confession helps to work on that, hmm. but does it become a mortal sin? Hmm. Well, Jean, thanks so much for, for your call. And I'm, I'm, first of all, I'd like to, to comment because I, I think you're right about our times. Uh, if you if you ask somebody walking down the street what the words to their favorite pop song are, they'll be able to maybe recite the whole thing and even hum along with it. But if you ask them what the Ten Commandments are, I think you'd find very few people that could recite them correctly and accurately or and in order for that matter. Um, why is that? I think it's because we've we've lost sight of of their significance in our own times. We've lost sight of the the value that they have even now, even uh, thousands of years after they were given to, to us through Moses. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for your observation on that point, and I hope that, that our conversation here this week will help us to, to recover some of that appreciation for, for the Ten Commandments and to put them into practice in our life. Um, but getting to your, your particular question, this is one of the big struggles of the Christian life, is di- di- differentiating uh, between sin and what what I intentionally uh, chose to offend God versus those frailties, the frailty that I have as a human being that my mind is not always working the way it should. <laughs> my mind wanders, my mind will return to to past sins or past memories that that might be displeasing to God uh, if I if I acted on them. I think it's very important as Christians we approach the the spiritual life, very calmly. We approach the spiritual life uh, very peacefully, not, not violently as if we can somehow wrestle our minds into submission. We, we accept as Christians that our, our minds are, are fragile, that our minds are oftentimes uh, unfocused, and, and sometimes we'll even wander into things that are unhealthy for us. But the differentiation of when that becomes a sin is when does my free will uh, assent to those thoughts? When does that thought become volitional? When does, when does my thought turn from just a, a, you know, a spark of neurons in my brain to something that I'm pondering and contemplating and, and deliberately giving time to? And, and as you say, you know, I can't really tell each individual person when that takes place. Uh, but all of us, I think, have, have the responsibility to discern that. And I think it's also, uh, good to point out that the Ten Commandments also apply to to our thoughts when they become, uh, when they're under our free will. So when when God tells us that we should not covet, he's including even in our minds, even that desire. When God says, thou shalt not commit adultery, that includes 
uh, a spirit of lust in our in our in our lives, and we have to we have to push that away. We have to embrace God's plan for us, and and as you say, Jean, we have to bring that to confession, which is the best uh, remedy to these to to purifying our minds and focusing our thoughts on what God desires for us. Jean, thanks for the call, and uh, Father, you know another thing she asked there too was when does it turn into mortal sin, mm-hmm. and. I I hear that question come up a lot here, not just in this show, but on a lot of different shows on Relevant Radio. There's a concern of, am I falling into mortal sin? And, you know, I I don't know if there's any true hard and fast kind of rule that we could look at other than I've always kind of taken it with myself. If there's an area, you know, I, I guess we should talk about the three conditions first that have to be met. There's grave matter. Um, you know, so it has to be something serious. You have to have full knowledge of it. And then you have to, with that full knowledge, say, in spite of that and me knowing that it's a sin and knowing it's a grave matter, I still continue in that area. If you're kind of questioning, have I fallen into this area, that right there probably means that there wasn't a full just turning over of your will to that sin, that you're, you're still kind of wrestling with that. So there might be some of the qualifications that are met, but not necessarily all of them. Uh, is that a good way to kind of understand where, uh, I, I mean, and I guess I should also throw out, you want to stay away from grave matter. You don't want to even be kind of tiptoeing around that. Um, so that should be the first thing. But if you do find yourself there and you're still questioning, it's, Good to take it to confession, but maybe not get so caught up in the is it or is it not a mortal sin? Uh, yeah, so let's take let's take two extreme examples of of how thoughts can, might flare up within us. So uh, I'm driving down the road, somebody cuts me off. This is a common example because we all experience yep. that frustration, and immediately I have a, a negative thought about that person. Now that's uh, unlikely to even be a sin in the sense that if that, that thought came unbidden, if it even came uh, without me wanting it to, then, um, then uh, you know, I, I, it's not good for me to do that. I need to be more, be more patient and all that, but it might not even be a sin. Uh, here's another example to the other extreme, though. Um, somebody harms me very, very deeply, and I begin to plot out their murder in my mind. I begin to think about how it's going to happen, how I'm going to hurt them, how I'm, how they're going to suffer. And it's all in my mind. Nothing actually takes place, but it's an extreme, very volitional, very intentional uh, act of, of desiring, you know, an offense against the commandment Mm -hmm. that thou shalt not kill. So our thoughts will, will often become somewhere, will fall somewhere in this spectrum, right? Thoughts can be mortal sins. If what I'm thinking about is grave, if I'm pondering and planning, uh, you know, uh, an offense against my marriage or an offense against my state in life when it comes to chastity, if I'm making the plans for this, and even if nothing happens, then that could be very, very harm, or that would that is sure. very harmful for myself. On the other hand, um, we're not usually at that point. So as you say, we should ju- we should be careful. It's not always about knowing whether something is mortal or venial, but rather bringing it to God's mercy regardless, because we can't always see so clearly the gravity of our sins, but God wants, a- wants to purify us from all of them. So if there's doubt, if there's a question about it, bring it to the mercy of God, trust in that mercy, and move forward and work to, to not fall into that sin again. 
Our phone number here on The Inner Life, 888-914-9149. Talking with Father Matthew Spencer today about the Ten Commandments, day three in our three-day series dealing with the Ten Commandments. How do we understand living out the Ten Commandments in the here and now? Not just understanding what they mean, but what they mean for us in our daily lives, and also inviting your phone calls, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about one of the commandments. You can call in and speak with Father Matthew. Uh, Father, we've got John, who's listening in Chicago. John, thanks for calling in. Yes, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I'm just I'm calling about uh, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. And there's been some, uh, you know, problems with that regarding... Uh, Self-defense and, uh, and you know, self-defense and national self-defense and war and also with capital punishment. Might that best be interpreted as thou shalt not murder rather than thou shalt not kill? Uh, yeah, good, good, good question, John, and good observation. As, as Christians, are, are, the whole of our Christian tradition has understood that uh, while we while we will never take innocent life, uh, we have to. We also have a responsibility sometimes to defend others, and even we have the right to defend ourselves against an, an unjust aggressor. Um, and so this is uh, this is important for us to to keep in mind. And and maybe I think this is part of part of why we're talking about the commandments this week, John, is to bring some clarity to to them to help understand them in the context of the whole Christian tradition and not just by the words themselves. Um, as you say, this this commandment can also extend to to be applied to just war theory, which we we have uh, which has a, a long tradition in our church as well and protecting nations protecting themselves. Of course, those criteria are, are different from self-defense, but, um, but yeah, we could talk about the semantics. Uh, Thou shalt not murder, though, doesn't include all of the, the particulars that, that the commandment wants us to, to take into mind. So I guess I would just say, John, I would be very reluctant to change the words of God that he gave to Moses to say, well, I think we should change murder to kill because, well, God himself gave us those Ten Commandments. I think instead what we do is we try and interpret them appropriately given what we know about the whole of God's message to us. John, thanks for the call. And again, our phone line that you can call in, 888-914-9149. Father Matthew Spencer with us here on The Inner Life Today talking about the Ten Commandments, 888-914-9149. We're going to take one more quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment as we conclude the hour here talking with Father Matthew Spencer on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, the provincial superior and shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. 
And talking about the Ten Commandments, this is day three of a three-day series. If you missed day one or day two, you can go back and find the podcast. Listen to that conversation at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And Father, right before the break, uh, you know, John had called in asking for some clarification on the Fifth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill. Um, you kind of made reference to just war theory. And, you know, we get to see that kind of in play right now with Russia invading Ukraine. You know, we have that unjust aggressor with people in Ukraine. And so whether it's those in the military or even civilians that are there trying to defend themselves, defend their homes, um, if they kill someone in an act of defense, then this doesn't necessarily go against the fifth commandment. Um, but, you know, John was asking the difference between kill versus murder and kind of the intent there. Um, one of the things that I think is important for us to also keep in mind is, uh, and maybe you can speak more to this, we are reading an English translation of a Hebrew text. Um, that also comes into play in certain things in the New Testament, where it's written in Greek, and certain things that, you know, we don't have a word that quite expresses the deepness of the meaning of what we might come across in different areas. So we try to the best in our own uh, common language understand what was being written, what was being communicated in that original language. Yeah, it's true. And, um, you know, the word in Hebrew, I believe, is ratzak, uh, which is, that's the word used for, for uh, in the, the fifth commandment, which I think by itself does imply more murder rather than kill. There's another word in, in Hebrew, harag, I think, that, that is more killing in anger, um, killing, uh, not, not murdering, but just um, taking the life of a person maybe in war and that kind of thing. So I think, I think John's, John's point was fair. And I think maybe it's too simple just to say, well, God's the, the commandment says thou shalt not kill because we, we are reading it in English and the, the subtleties of Hebrew are important. But for that, I think we got to get father Simon or, or somebody more, <laughs> more versed in somebody Hebrew who's an actual, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. a, a scripture and, and language scholar. So, exactly. Um, and yeah. of which I am neither. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's, let's look at maybe a different situation of one of the 10 commandments here. And what I'm thinking is, I think this is, while, while this is kind of a hypothetical, it's something that many people have dealt with in a real way in their life, where the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. As your parents get older, and they might need more care than you can provide for them, they might express they have absolutely no desire. They dread the idea of moving into some sort of assisted living or maybe a nursing home kind of care facility. But at a certain point, you, as their grown adult child, might not be able to provide the care they really need. And so you have to make that decision and you're going to be going against their wishes, but it is for the, you're trying to keep their, their care in mind. So you know, you've got your mom or dad in this situation where they might then be resentful to you. You're trying to do the right thing. You, they end up bitter for you, uh, essentially disobeying their wishes. How do you keep that balance of honoring your parent when they're upset over what you're trying to do for their well-being? I, again, this is kind of a later in life question, but it's something that does come up from time to time. It does. I know many people who have who have just agonized over this decision. Um, 
I, I think what's first important is to realize to honor our father and our mother also means to provide for their care. And sometimes uh, our parents will reach a point where we cannot adequately provide for their care, where it's not in their best interests physically and even perhaps mentally to remain uh, on their own or to remain living in a certain situation. And as, as hard as it is to have them get special help, then, then uh, that's sometimes the, the best option for them. And even if it's not, even if it limits some of their, other, their, their freedom that they would otherwise like to have. Uh, but I think what, what this decision always has to come with the realization that uh, uh, an assisted living home or senior housing is not meant to be a place where I can send my parents and now, you know, wash my hands and walk away right, from it. Right, ditch them. Right. right. <laughs> it, these are not two, two alternatives. Either, either they're living with me or I'm just not spending any time with them. No. If they need some special care, then... What that means, if I'm going to honor them, is I'm therefore going to go the distance to make sure that they know that I'm there for them, to spend time with them, to visit them frequently, to make sure that they have the relationships that they need in that in that place. And and that can be very challenging too, right? Because it's it's not always fun for people to go to you know senior housing. It's not always easy for people to see their parents living in difficult circumstances. But yeah, th- this is a very trying difficult decision to make. And I would say uh, it's very important for those who find themselves in this situation to to ponder deeply whether this is really needed. Uh, and if it's not, maybe there's a sacrifice you can make. I, I mean, I can use an example of my parents. My parents took in my maternal grandmother who needed quite a bit of care. She had mental health issues uh, for many years in her life. And instead of sending her to a home, they sacrificed a lot to have her living in the house. But in the end, she, my grandma was happier, but also I think my parents were felt blessed in being able to take care of her. I think the whole family saw this commitment to, to, to family that inspired me. And so, yeah, sometimes these decisions, we, we shouldn't let ourselves off the hook too easily and just say, well, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices where we can we can take care of them for longer. But on the other hand, this commandment, honor thy father, father and thy mother, strictly speaking, doesn't mean that 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 um, getting them special care and living circumstances is off the table. Uh, father, we're down to just a couple of minutes left here in the hour, and we've got a number of people that are calling in, asking a lot of questions, and rather than just take one of them, I think I'd rather maybe spend some time here addressing the larger theme that I'm seeing come through on the phones from people calling in. And that's, you know, is this a sin? When does this fall into sin? You know, there's a lot of questions dealing with that question, that, that, that area of, is this a sin? Or does this particular example fall into a sin? And the main thing that I think is important that maybe we end on here is the focus on sin. It's good to be aware of the sin, but it's so much more important to focus on God's love, his forgiveness, the mercy that's available to us because of the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and that we all can receive that forgiveness by approaching the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, I think, Josh, we all have this sense that um, when we go to confession that it's about sin, right? I think... I had that feeling my whole life. Every time I had to go to confession, I felt like the whole focus of this experience is sin, right? And it always got me down. 
Uh, it was only when I entered the seminary, when I started uh, understanding the sacrament better, that I, I started to realize, no, the focus of confession is God's mercy. And, and as 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 vile, as frustrating as our sins might be that we bring to confession, I just want to tell you and tell our listeners that for me as a priest, it's never really about all that messiness of sin. It's about the fact that God's grace c- can cut through all of that, can wipe all of that away and and make of us a new creation. Um, and I, I hope that we can come away from our conversation these last three days keeping that in mind. As important as it is to recognize sin in our lives and as, as special as the Ten Commandments role is in doing that for us, uh, ultimately they're called to lead us, as you, as you rightly point out, I think, to lead us to God's mercy and to lead us to focus our lives on God's mercy and love rather than, rather than on sin itself. Father Matthew Spencer, thank you for taking all three days out of your schedule here during this hour to be with us on The Inner Life. About 30 seconds left here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners? Yes, thanks so much, Josh, for having me. Heavenly Father, I ask you to look with mercy and love on all of our listeners here at Relevant Radio. May they be inspired to follow the Ten Commandments and the whole of your law in every moment of their lives. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Matthew, look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon in the future. And I want to say a big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Angesser for their help here in producing the program today. And of course, want to encourage you to check out the podcasts of the last three days, all three days as we talked about the uh, Ten Commandments here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next.